Hey, happy Easter. Happy Easter. I am so excited to be with you all this morning as we come together via technology, via social media, to celebrate our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And I know that he's been good to a lot of us. Um, I know that he's changed a lot of us. He's transformed a lot of us. And so though we can't be together today, and, and you know, no doubt I miss you and, and our team misses you, and we can't wait to get back together. But we're together in spirit and in heart. And I know that we are aligned as we lift up our praise and our adoration for our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to go ahead and define this term for you as we get started on this Easter. The word dream, the word dream is defined as visions that occur during sleep. All of us, I'm sure, have had dreams before. But another definition is this. Dream is a great aspiration or ideal. And so today, we're going to conclude our series, Wake Up Dreamer, as we bring a message to you entitled, Jesus the Dreamer. Jesus the Dreamer. Have you ever thought about Jesus in that way, as a dreamer, as a visionary? Have you ever thought about it? Well, I'm here to explain what I mean on this Easter. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says this about us, and then it proceeds to say something about Jesus. It says this about us. We must focus on Jesus, the source and goal of our faith. He saw the joy ahead of him, so he endured death on the cross and ignored the disgrace it brought him. Now he holds the honored position, the one next to God, the Father, on the heavenly throne. What I want you to, what I want you to zone in on is this part here. Jesus, that he saw the joy. He saw the joy ahead of him. And yes, the cross was tough. The disgrace that came with it was horrible, but he had a vision. He had a dream. And really, if you think about it, we live in a world of dreamers. When I think about Disney World, you know, I'm, I'm from Orlando, Florida, and there wasn't a year growing up when we didn't go to Disney World. I mean, it's, it's the best place. <laughs> it truly is the, the happiest place on earth. When I think about airplanes and the Wright brothers and how um, right now, and I know things have slowed down, but right now there could be anywhere between three to 5,000 airplanes in the sky carrying anywhere between a half a million to a million people at one time. That was once a dream. When I think about all the cars, and, and I mean, how about Amazon? Amazon Prime at that. Maybe you'll order a product, and you're in Georgia right now, but you order and you buy something that's in Omaha, Nebraska, and that same day or the next day, it's on your doorstep. Ne never in our time have we seen things uh, advance so, so, so well and so fast. But once upon a time, those things were just dreams. And so, yes, Jesus was a dreamer. The Bible says that um, at the right time, in Galatians 4, it says at the right time, um, God sent his son born of a woman. And so when we talk about that, we're talking about Christmas, about when he was born. But as he grew up, he had, here it is, back to dream, he had aspirations and ideals, he saw a world where people were blessed and growing and thriving and walking with God. Jesus himself had dreams. And what I've come to find out through reading the word of God is that you are the center 
or the object of his love. You are the primary agent by which he aspires to move forward. He wants to move you forward. He wants you to live your best in your fullest life. And so today, I wanna share with you what the greatest dreamer in history dreamt. And the first thing that he dreamt as he was alive and when he went to the cross and as he was lying in the grave to resurrect on Sunday was he dreamt about your freedom. He dreamt about your freedom. So I have two boys. Jaziel is my 11-year-old and Judah is my five-year-old. And um, they're home. They're home a lot now, especially in this season. And it's really a challenge for a lot of parents, especially if you have kids, you're used to going to work or you're used to them going to school a lot. For us, we live in a, we live in a very nice area, but we live in a two-bedroom apartment and it's only so many different ways that you can get around each other. And so there comes those times in our home where it's slow, some tension. And there are times where I feel as though my boys kind of crossed the line. So you got to put them in timeout or send them to their room or, or you know, you got to be mean dad from time to time. And so, but when I do that, I really, I never really feel good, good about it. So I may send them in their room. They may lay down. I may say, go take a nap, go take a nap, chill out for an hour. But I'll say about 10 or 15 minutes in, you just start feeling that thing, man. You, ah, did I make the right decision? Did they deserve that punishment? So typically my timeouts don't last full. So I'll go into the room, I'll wake them up and I'll say, get on up, come on back out and play. Why? It's simply because I take no pleasure in seeing them restrained. And God is the same way. Jesus is the same way. God sent his son because he takes no pleasure in us being confined and restrained and, and not being able to move around freely. So much so that when Jesus started his ministry, he said this in Luke 4, 18 through 19. Jesus said that the Lord's spirit has come to me because he has chosen me to tell the good news to the poor. And so when he says the poor here, he doesn't just mean financial. He means the spiritually poor. And at a certain point in all of our lives, we are spiritually depleted. The Lord has sent me, Jesus said, verse 19, to announce freedom for prisoners, to give sight to the blind, to free everyone who suffers, and to say, this is the year the Lord has chosen. This is the time of God's favor. When I think about this verse, there's a story in the Bible about this woman who was caught in the act of adultery. And I always ask myself, where is the man? They caught the woman and these religious leaders took this woman and brought this woman in her shame to Jesus Christ. That's the first mistake that they made. They brought a woman who was caught in sin and in shame to the savior. And so they brought this woman and they told, they said, hey, Jesus, the law says we should stone this woman. What do you say? And Jesus said, you're right. That's what the law says. But Jesus said, he who is without sin shall cast the first stone. And so the Bible says that they all dropped their stones because all of them had sin. All of us, has, all of us have sin. It's not a condemning statement. The Bible even says that we've all fallen short of the glorious standard of God. So they all dropped their stones and they left. The Bible says that Jesus knelt down to her level. He knelt down to her level and he said, woman, 
where are your accusers? And she said, I don't know. They're not here. And he said, neither do I accuse you. He said, get up, be free, leave your life of sin. Jesus had this dream of seeing people free, of seeing people free, of seeing people unrestrained, unconstrained. I think of blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus couldn't see. And because of that, in Jesus's time, um, your, your sight was everything. So he couldn't take care of himself. He depended on other people's resource to help him. And so when, when blind Bartimaeus encountered the risen savior, when he encountered Jesus, Jesus was well pleased to heal his sight. I wanna encourage you right now, if you feel as though you can't see, if you feel like there's no light at the end of the tunnel, Jesus is pleased to heal your sight in this season because he wants you to be free. He wants you to be free. And one of the things that the resurrection um, um, represents is, is freedom from addiction. It's freedom from addiction. It's through the power of Christ that you can, you can be free from addiction, free from depression, free from anxiety, free to pursue your dreams and your God-given calling. The second thing that Jesus dreamt while he was laying down in that grave was your fulfillment, your fulfillment, your fulfillment. You know, we normally take a trip to Target at least twice a month, and it's typically led by, by Judah, my, my baby boy. He, he's always warming up to it too, man. I mean, he starts in Monday. God, Dad, when are we going to Target? Tuesday, Dad, when are we going to Target? I say, son, we're going to go next Friday, next Friday, next Friday. And we finally end up going to Target. And I, I've noted the past three times that we've been to Target, there was this specific toy or item that Judah looks for. But for whatever reason, the past few times, these items have not been at the store. So I'll tell Judah as we're kind of riding around and he's looking and he's looking, and you can almost tell that he... He's not finding what he wants. And he's looking and he's looking. And, and I say, well, I'll tell, well, Judah, you know, I can go home and I can order that thing that you want online because deep down I know what he wants as his father. And every single time Judah just chooses to pick something that he really doesn't want. And, and I'll buy that thing. We'll go home. He'll play with it for a day. And it truly doesn't bring him the joy and the fulfillment that he was looking for, but he had to have it in that moment. And sometimes I'm just sitting back like, Judah, if you would only trust me, I know what you want. I can totally relate to my son. Growing up, I would get those shoes, those shoes, and I would get them, and they wouldn't bring me that feeling. I would get those clothes, and it wouldn't bring me that feeling. I would date that girl or get involved in that relationship, and I, I thought I had it, but it wouldn't feel, it would not feel that void. It reminds me of the woman at the well. Jesus ran into a woman at at a well one time. He was, he was journeying through. The disciples were taking a break. He, he continued on because his dream was to see people free. He met this woman at a well. And when he started to talk to her, he said that you've been married five times and the sixth guy that you're with, he's not your husband. What was going on? Jesus was able to identify that we all have longings that we're trying to satisfy but outside of him, there is no satisfaction. So Jesus's dream, Jesus's aspiration was for you to live a life where you're satisfied, where you have peace, 
where you have joy. I love what Jesus said here in John 10. He says this here, I came so that everyone, everyone would have life and have it in its fullest. I came so that everyone would have life and have it in its fullest. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd gives up his life for his sheep. He said, I came so that when you enter into a relationship with me, that you wouldn't just have life, but you would have joy and you would find purpose. He said, I came so that every void in your life would be fulfilled. He said, I came so that when you get that house and it doesn't fill that void, when you get that car and it doesn't fill that void, when you start that business and it doesn't fill that void, you still have me, all that you need to be fulfilled. He dreamt of your fulfillment. And the last thing that he dreamt about as the greatest dreamer ever was your future, your future. What's ahead of you, your future. And I know right now that as a people that uh, we're, we're going through some tough times right now with COVID-19. And uh, it hit me in my studies the other day that COVID-19 is a result of the fall of mankind. If you go and you read Genesis 3, you see where Adam and Eve felt to the temptation to disobey God. And whenever they felt to the temptation to disobey God, God had told them, if you eat of this certain tree, if you do this thing, you will die. You will surely die. And that word there, death in the Hebrew means separation. So as you continue to track throughout Genesis 3, as they've bitten the fruit and they have disobeyed God, the Bible says that God set them outside of the garden. And that symbolized how God had separated them from God's best because of disobedience. And when they did that, they opened the door for brokenness and dysfunction and sickness and, and illness. As a matter of fact, that, that, that act in the garden, that act of disobedience has been the result of many divorces, um, violence, terrorism, um, plagues. That one act of disobedience is what has opened the door to all of this. And so when Jesus came on the scene, he understood, if we can go ahead and pull up um, Hebrews 12, verse two again, where it says this here, it said that he saw the joy ahead of him. So he endured death on the cross and ignored the disgrace that it brought him. And so God understood that we're in trouble as, as, as mankind and I gotta send my son. And so when the son came, he said that I have, a, I have a dream to see them free, to see them fulfilled, and to see them step into a future with the father. But in order for that to happen, I have to endure death. And so when Jesus came on the scene, the Bible teaches us that he took on our sins when he went to the cross. And the Bible also teaches that his blood was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. And that now in him and in his death, all of our past, present, and future sins have been forgiven. And so after that death on the cross, 
the Bible teaches us that he rose from the grave. He rose from the grave. He died on Friday. He rested on Saturday and he rose on Sunday. He died on Friday. He continued to dream about you and I on Saturday and he got up on Sunday. And his rising represents that we would live, that we would live. He died so that we could live. He resurrected so that we could stand up. The resurrection also represents that nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible when God is in your life. And it also represents that when we pass from this life, that we're gonna be with God forever. The Bible says that it, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So Jesus had this dream where he knew he would have to endure disgrace and shame and die so that you and I would be free. And his dream was our future, so much so to here's a promise in Jeremiah 29, 11. The prophet says, I will bless you with a future filled with hope a future of success, not suffering. I'll bless you with the future filled with hope, a future of success, not suffering. And that was the heart of Christ for, for your life. And what I wanna encourage you with is this. If I have to be honest, there is no fulfillment, there is no freedom, there is no future without God. There's none of that. It, it's, it's all out the window. We can seek it. We can look for it. We can search for it in certain things, but we're never gonna truly step into freedom, experience fulfillment, and see our future the way God has ordained and planned for us until we combine all of those things with our faith. And maybe today, you know that you need God in your life. You're saying there in your heart, I, I need to know who Jesus is. I, 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 need, I need to know who this risen Savior is because you've been seeking for all these things and, and, and you lack it and you're missing out on it. I want to take you through a few verses because it's really very simple. Salvation is really very simple. And I'm going to take you through, through a few verses here. Let's go to John 3, 16, 17. It says, God loved the people of this world so much that he gave his only son so that everyone who has faith in him will have eternal life and never really die. I wanna encourage you with this verse here that in this COVID-19 season, yes, many of us are struggling because things aren't normal. There may be some struggles with finances. Maybe it's hit so close to home where some of us have contracted this illness Maybe we've lost loved ones in the pursuit of, of, of trying to get over this hump as a people. But it says this here, if you've lost someone to COVID-19, this is the promise if they were in Jesus Christ, that everyone who has faith in him will have eternal life and never really die. And then Romans 3.22 says this. It says, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, our faith. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. That's the beauty in Easter. It doesn't matter who you are. 
When Jesus died, he died for all people. He died for people of all backgrounds, all races, all ages, all demographics. No matter where you were, Jesus died for all people. And today you have an opportunity to have a new beginning. And I wanna give you this final verse here in Romans 10. It says this here, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, there it is again, that faith, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. It's not through performance. It's not through fixing yourself up. You don't wash sin off. You don't go in the bathroom right now and brush cuss words out. No, 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 you can't do any of that. Jesus has done all the work on the cross. He left your past and your sin in the grave and he's risen with new life for you in his hand. All you gotta do is believe and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Jesus, the dreamer, his dream was being in a relationship with you, walking with you, talking to you, guiding you, leading you, protecting you, blessing you, growing you. That was his dream. His dream was your freedom, your fulfillment, and your future. And we're gonna pull it back up one more time. Hebrews 12, two says this. Hebrews 12, two says this. We must focus on Jesus. If, if you're struggling right now, I wanna encourage you, focus on Jesus. If you're going through a tough time right now, focus on Jesus. If you don't see a way out, get your eyes fixed on Jesus. He's the one to look for. He is where your hope is. The source and goal of our faith. He saw the joy ahead of him. You know what that joy was? Your freedom, your fulfillment, and your future. And that's what Easter is all about. What I wanna do right now is I wanna take a moment to pray with you. I wanna take a moment to pray with you. I, I, I can just sense and I can just feel that there are hundreds, if not thousands of people out there who need to know Christ as Lord and Savior. And there are a few of you out there who may have been raised in the church. Maybe, you're, maybe your background is Baptist or Catholic, Jewish, Pentecostal, um, atheist, agnostic. Maybe, maybe you have no faith background. Maybe you have a lot of faith background, but you don't know Jesus personally. And I just feel in my spirit, I feel in my heart that today is the day where you're gonna give him your life. And so what I wanna do is I wanna, I wanna lead you in a prayer. It's so simple. All it takes is faith. And I wanna lead you in that prayer. The Bible says that those who are in Christ have become new creations. Today is a day where not only Jesus resurrects, but you're gonna resurrect. The old you is gonna die and the new you is gonna resurrect to a new beginning, a new life with new possibilities moving forward into your future. So if that be you and you're ready and you're willing and your heart is open, I wanna lead you in a prayer. Let's just bow our heads and repeat these words after me. Salvation is so simple, so simple. Here it is. Say, Father God, I believe 
that Jesus Christ is your son. And I believe that he died on a cross for my forgiveness. I believe that he rose from the dead so that I could live. Father God, give me your Holy Spirit. I am yours. I turn from my past and I turn towards you and my destiny. I accept your freedom. I trust you for fulfillment. And I can't wait to step into my future. I love you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Maybe you prayed that out loud. Maybe you prayed it in your heart for the first time. Maybe you're just coming back to Jesus. And what I want to encourage you to do is that when we're done with this Easter worship experience, I want you to tell somebody that you made that decision. Tell your brother or your sister or your mom or a friend who you're currently with. Let them know that, hey, I just made a profession for Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you. It's the greatest decision that you'll ever make. You're new. You're new. You're forgiven. You're loved. And you are on your way. And so we bless you. And what we're going to do after this message is we're going to walk you through some steps as to how you can get some of the resources that you need so that you can have a healthy new start. I also want to take this time to once again recognize the the season that we are in as a people, as a nation, as a world. And what I want to do is I just want to pray healing and blessing over us during this COVID-19. I believe that this thing is going to lift up sooner than later. And so I just want to pray faith and healing. If you would join me before we conclude this worship experience. Father God, I thank you so much that you are good and you still have a plan. God, we can trust that what is outside of our control is in your control. Jesus, you told us as your followers to not worry about the seasons or the times, but to wait on the power of the Holy Spirit who's gonna guide us. So we understand, God, that when you're ready, you're gonna lift COVID-19. You're gonna, you're gonna heal. You're gonna get rid of it. You're gonna wash us, us clean of this season so that we can move forward as a people. God, we thank you that you are now healing bodies. Lord, you're making families stronger. You're bringing people together. God, I thank you, Lord, that through this, you're drawing people to you. We have so much time on our hands and you're drawing us to you. And so, God, I just pray that we would lift up our heads to the hills from which our help comes. Lord, I pray that we would have the strength to pray, to have faith, and to believe you for the impossible. And God, I pray even now that you would use your church like you've never used your church in this here generation. May we be a church that reaches out, that cares, that loves. Use us, Lord. We are your vessels. Build your church as you promise. And we thank you, Lord. We believe you, Lord, that we're going to move forward into better days. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, happy Easter, everybody. Once again, congratulations to you who made Jesus the Lord of your life. For the rest of you, I pray that you were encouraged. You're the apple of his eye. You're the object of his love. 
You are the one that he came for, he died for, and he rose for. Remember, you are free. There is fulfillment in him and your future is in his hands. I love you guys. Cannot wait to see you soon. You take care and you have a blessed Easter. We'll see you soon.